0: And okay, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, and we love grace, and we talk about grace, and without grace,
1: we have nothing. Welcome to In Grace with Jim Scudder, Jr. He is the senior pastor of Quentin Road Baptist Church in Lake Zurich, Illinois, as well as the author of Why Life Hurts and co-author of Evangelism Made Simple. Welcome back to In Grace. This is Jim Scudder, and today... We are continuing our
0: series, Is the Old Testament Obsolete? And as I do at the beginning of every sermon in this series, at least, I give a obsolete item, uh, something that you might know what it is or your kids or grandkids won't know what it is, and uh, I unveil it to a kid in the audience. Today we're going to unveil a daisy sound and hairstyle. It's kind of one of those hair uh, dryer things that you would put over your head and a salon, but they have them for um, homes. And this is an older older model. So it's kind of fun. And we'll see if the young person knows what this thing is. But One thing that is not obsolete is the Bible, nor is the Old Testament. Although we call it old, it's really the Older Testament or the Hebrew Scriptures, and very important, very foundational to our faith. And we need to know what these stories are and these truths in Scripture, especially in Genesis. And we're in Genesis still, Genesis 6, when Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And because of that, We're going to see how God used Noah and his family to save the human race uh, from the worldwide flood. So, this is the story of Noah's Ark, and my title today is Does the Story of Noah's Ark Float? People have made fun of Noah's Ark and said there's no way it could have been big enough and whatever, and we're going to debunk all of that and show you how the Bible is accurate, it's true, and how we can believe not only in the story of the flood, but in the story of salvation and all the other things in the Bible. Just before we get into that, let me just remind you that we're going to be bringing in grace to you. And I'm so excited because we have two cities that we're going to be coming to. My wife, myself, and our team will have music and food and fellowship time at these events. I'll be speaking on the end times. And uh, we're going to be in Mitchell, South Dakota. For those of you that Listen in North and South Dakota. We're going to be at the Corn Palace. You all know where that is. I've never been there, but everybody talks about it. So I'm excited to go and visit the Corn Palace. There's a free ticket for you on our website for our October 28th In Grace rally. We call them Gather in Grace. And you can go to ingraceradio.com for that free ticket. And we're going to be in Phoenix, Arizona on February 3rd. So we'd love to meet you at one of these events ingraceradio.com. I hope that we never go obsolete. I hope that we always are relevant and that we're a part of other people's lives, and an important part of people's lives, and I think that's very possible. But things do go obsolete, don't they? Certainly. Uh, Especially in our day when we have vast improvements in technology. Now we're going to give you an obsolete item that one of you has given to us for this purpose, And I would like to know if there's a kid in the crowd that would like to come up and help me with this obsolete item, especially if you haven't done it yet. Raise your hand big. Get my attention. You haven't done it yet. Okay, let's get Winston come. Uh, You raise your hand just before your sister, so we'll get you another time. Come on up here, and I bet you're really dying to know what is under this black cloth, right? Okay, let's pull it off together. One, two, three. What is this? Oh. Okay, you want, you want some more hints, don't you? Okay, hold on. Somebody pushed it down. Let's try this. Okay. A heater? Come over here. What? A heater? Okay, a heater. Okay. Well, you know what? You might be right in one sense. Okay, do you, do you want to take another stab at it?
1: fan of some sort? Okay, a
0: heater and a fan. So this is a Daisy with a Z uh, sound and style hairdryer. You want to try it? Yeah, get your head in there. No, I'm just kidding you. <laughs> so this is something that they, they actually still sell something like this, a home counter salon style hairdryer. Uh, But this one actually has sound. I guess there's uh, speakers in here. And you can plug in some. I'm sure it wasn't uh, like an MP3 player or anything. But somehow plug in something. Isn't that cool? Do you like that? Have you ever seen anything like this before? No. Um, So your mom doesn't use this? No. Your dad doesn't use this? Well, that's good to hear. All right. Thank you very much, Winston. And then you probably want something else, don't you? No? That's it? That's all you want? Okay. Well, let me give you something. 20 bucks. 20 bucks. Use it before that's obsolete, okay? Big hand for Winston. Thank you. So cool. So cool. Uh, We actually plugged it in, and we shouldn't have. We shouldn't have. Uh, We started to smell a very rich aroma. Uh, It might have been the person that had been using it for years, the, the hair cells, skin, I don't know what it was. Well, it is a heater, so that's probably... That was a part of the issue. So we're in a series that we're calling, is the Old Testament obsolete? And the reason I'm doing this series, first of all, I want you to learn the Old Testament. I want you to learn the foundation to the Bible, the foundation to everything. Like we wouldn't know much if we didn't have it, especially the book of Genesis, so integral and so important. Uh, But I also want to push back on people and preachers that are saying that we can really minimize the Old Testament. It's not really that important or relevant anymore. I I beg to differ. I say without the Old Testament, we just don't know so much of what's in our New Testament. The Bible, folks, is a book that survives time. There's very few things that survive time. You know, hairstyles change. The way that we we do things in life All of that changes, but we have a Bible that doesn't change. Isaiah 40, verse eight, say it with me. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Okay. So we have something that is permanent, it's fixed, but it's also alive. This book can give you answers today to your life's problems. As a matter of fact, it's the only thing You can go into a bookstore and you can get books on just about everything that will supposedly give you answers for life. But if those books aren't based on this book, I would be very suspect because the foundation has to be this book. And the foundation of the Bible is the Hebrew Scriptures or what we call the Old Testament. Now, we get to a passage or a story That I think is so important to understand. And here's my message title today Does the story of Noah's Ark float? All right, now, how many times have you thought or have you had people ask you, How could all the animals possibly fit on Noah's Ark? There's no way that that's a true story. There's no way that eight people could build such a huge structure. There's no way that that boat would be big enough to fit all of the different species of animals that the Bible says. So, therefore, the Bible must be wrong. Well, I'll tell you something. If you'll actually stop and think about it and start to look at the size of the ark and how many animals would have been on the ark and all of the details that people never think about, your mind will totally be changed on this. But you have to be open minded. You have, to, you have to say, Lord, I, I want to know, is this, is this book a fairy tale or is it true? Okay, so let's ask that question now. This is what you're probably mentally thinking when we say Noah's Ark. It's just a, a bathtub toy. It's got the two giraffes always. It's got, you know, it's cute. Certainly it's cute. Me and my wife have a little bit of an ongoing conversation Uh, about this, because it is cute, and the kids like it, and it's fun, and Sunday schools use these pictures, and churches in their nursery usually have something, and, and toys, and all of that. But listen, when we're putting this out there and saying this is Noah's Ark, we are creating a fairy tale, because there is no way that that could hold all the animals that God created. So we have to be careful about stuff like this, don't we? All right, so In the Bible, we read in what we call the New Testament in several places about this man named Noah. Actually, in Luke, it gives Noah's name in Jesus' genealogy. So uh, Luke is, is quite a historian. He goes all the way back, all the way back to Adam. And if you read through the genealogy, you're not too far from Adam to get to Noah. So he's in the New Testament early in one of the gospels. And then we also find him in Hebrews chapter 11 where it says by faith Noah being warned of God of things not yet seen or seen as yet moved with fear prepared an ark to the saving of his house. Who is who is this Noah? What is this ark? What what in the world? I want to know more about this. Will you want to know more if you didn't have the Old Testament, if you want to have the book of Genesis. By the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. So we have this story of faith, the story of Noah. And then we read about it also in First Peter 3.20. It says that, which sometimes were disobedient, when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, there it is again, Here's this Noah, the days of Noah. While the ark, okay, we have the ark again, was preparing, wherein few, that is eight souls, were saved by water. What in the world? Who is this Noah? What is this story? Well, again, to understand who Noah was and what happened to him, we have to go back to the Old Testament, especially to the book of beginning Genesis, the beginnings. Some think that we only find grace in the New Testament, but the story of Noah and so many other places in the Bible, we find grace in the Old Testament. You see, God is the same God. He's the same yesterday and today and forever. And although there are more references to God's anger and fierceness in the Old Testament because he was dealing with a people, a nation that was supposed to be a light We see the same God. We see grace in the Old Testament many times, especially here in the story of Noah.
1: Embark on a journey to explore the inspiring story of the Exodus within grace. Call now for your free Exodus map, 800-78-GRACE. This map depicts the route of the Israelites during their escape from Egypt. When you give $35 or more, you'll receive the Exodus map and our brand new video series, Exodus Found, where Jim Scudder Jr. retraces the Exodus in Egypt and Saudi Arabia, diving into the Red Sea to uncover evidence of the miraculous crossing. For those giving $250 or more, you will get the complete Exodus package, the map, the video series, and a beautiful, exclusive 16 by 20 canvas print showcasing the miraculous Red Sea crossing. And from now until the end of the year, a generous donor will be doubling all gifts. To get these limited-time exclusive materials, call 800-78-GRACE or visit ingraceradio.com or write to InGrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047.
0: You can still live a righteous life today. How? Well, first, receive by faith Jesus, the Son of God who died on the cross and rose again. After you receive by faith Jesus, then I I encourage you to grow in him and knowledge of him and and know what he wants you to do and know how he wants you to live your life. Grow, and and then you're going to find yourself walking with God and and that that fellowship with God, he's going to be revealing things in your life that you need to fix and get better at, and we actually have the power to do that as Christians, to be the dad that God wants us to be, to not uh, provoke our children to wrath, to love our wife as Christ loved the church, for the wife to submit to her husband as as we see submission of Jesus and the Father. You're going to be able to accomplish these things that are hard to do, and you're going to be able to have the life that God wants you to have and to be the testimony that God wants you to be. We can walk in a just manner today. Here's one of the ways that I would suggest that you do that. Make Church a priority. Now, obviously, those of you in the room, you've made church a priority. Some of you can't attend church because of distance or health. You've made church a priority. But here's what I mean When I was young, my parents made it a point to make sure we were in church. Now, you say, well, yeah, you're the pastor's kid. That's true. And we really didn't have an option, which was good, actually. It developed a good habit. But every service, me and Julie were here. And now, every service, I'm here, Karen's here, our kids are here. Why? Is it because I have to be? This is my, my obligation? Well, I'm part am part of it, yeah, but it's so much more than that. This is where I want to be. I want to be here. I want to learn. I want to grow. I want to I hear someone open a, a Bible and say, thus saith the Lord. And, and this is going to keep me on the path of righteousness and, and to be a just person. This is also going to create a separation in my life where I'm not going to do some of the things that, that others do. And, and some of the entertainment and some of the, the partying and all of that, we're just not going to do that because we want to have nothing affect our, our walk with God. Don't ever let something replace your normal pattern, your normal habit of worship and learning and growing. And so I encourage you to, to make a practice of this tonight as we live in a wicked world that, that you're not going to forsake the assembling of yourselves in the church body if you can be here. So Noah walked with God, and we can walk with God even in a wicked and perverse world. And then it says in Genesis six ten that Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. So now we have Noah. We have his sons. Of course, Noah has a wife. Poor Noah's wife. We don't know her name. We don't know her name. Mrs. Noah, I think, is her name. And so we also don't know the names of the, the sons' wives, they, they would also get married. Remember, Noah lived a long life, very long life, and so did his sons. The earth in Genesis 6 7 was also corrupt, corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And, and a lot of people say, Why would God, who is good, whose love, whose grace, we just talked about God's grace, how could He possibly send an event that kills millions? How, how could he do that if he is a loving God? I think God, when he created everything, he created us with the ability to choose. He wanted, he wanted to create a being that was like him and, and that, that could voluntarily love. That's actually the only way you can love. If you demand someone to love you, they may say they love you, but you never would know. Because you can't demand love. Love has to be a decision by the other person that's love that's real love so he created us with that ability to choose with that ability to say uh, i do love god and i want to walk with him and then those that didn't those that rejected him and his goodness and his his generosity and his showering with blessings those that rejected that and adam and eve rejected that in the garden of course cain we know rejected that when he killed his brother So that led to all of this violence and and sin and corruption, and it was a a horrible place. I feel like if God hadn't done something, I think there would have been no one left. And I really believe if God continues to let this world go on its own with our ability to annihilate cities with weapons, I think we're going to get to the point where we're going to kill everybody. That's why there is a return of Jesus to to save us from killing ourselves. And I think that must be what was happening here. Because if everyone died, there would be no savior. There would be no hope. The whole story of the flood, believe it or not, is a story of grace. And there was a message of salvation that Noah was preaching. The Bible said that they got the message that there's going to be a flood 120 years before the flood. Now, I don't think Noah was building the ark that whole time. It was probably like 70 to 50 to 70 years they were actually building the ark. But they knew that whole time there was judgment coming. But they said people weren't listening. Noah was a preacher of righteousness, as it says in 2 Peter. No one was listening. Everyone continued to do what they wanted to do. There was wickedness and violence and corruption. No one listened to the preacher. Now, could God have saved everyone? Yeah, that's our God. If they would have listened to the preaching, they would have been saved. There was a way of salvation. But no one did except for him, his wife, his three sons, and their wives. Eight souls saved. By the same water that destroyed the world, that water floated them because they were in the ark of salvation. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark, make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. Now we're going to go through some of these details. We're going to answer the skeptics that say, how could all the animals fit on the ark, how could they have built this? You know, you know could, could Noah have built the ark or Noah and his family have built the ark? I think we're really not giving credit to the intelligence and ingenuity of ancient man. Okay? If you think we're, we've advanced evolutionarily in our abilities and our thoughts, our ability to, to come up with stuff, you're wrong. Now, we've advanced in the accumulation of knowledge. And that has really led to some incredible breakthroughs technologically. But we, without the the modern machines and cranes and hydraulics and stuff, we couldn't build something like Noah did. Now we read here, you remember that word back here that's gopher? Some people assume that's a type of tree or a type of wood. That's actually not the case, and we'll talk about it more, but basically, gopher means, the word means to house in, okay? So people that have studied this feel like it's a building technique. You're going to build the ark out of an interlamination technique of wood, and so if this interlamination was used, you would have all parts of the ship from the bow and keel to the sides to the floors, everything would be all tied together, kind of like they make these beams, wooden beams, and they make it out of wood and they take the wood and they, uh, strips of wood, and they press it together with resin or with glue and they make these incredible beams that will, will support massive amounts of weight. It's a manufactured process. We use it today. Plywood is actually another example of this interlamination. You take thinner sheets and you put them all together in different directions, and it creates this really, really strong, in this case, a vessel. And that's another criticism of the Genesis story of of the flood, is how could this ship have survived the waves and the action and all things hitting it? Well, God knows what he's doing. And, And also remember this. They had many years on the earth from creation to the flood They had, I'm sure, built ships. This wasn't the first big boat ship ever built. This had to have already been happening in the day. There was probably a whole trade of boat builders, and some people think Noah actually was uh, one that already knew how to do this. And so God gave some specifics, but didn't give all the detail because they already would have known how to do a lot of the same stuff. we will continue the message about Noah's ark and if all of these things are plausible tomorrow on the Tuesday edition of In Grace and of course they are plausible they're fact because the bible says it and but as, as we look at the science of it, it all lines up, and I'm excited to present that to you tomorrow. We are really excited because we have a brand new series starting this Friday, and it's called Exodus Found, and I've got a map of the route of the Exodus. A lot of people have said there's no evidence for Israel being in Egypt and leaving Egypt. Listen, we went there and we found evidence there in Egypt and in Saudi Arabia. And I'm going to send you a free map showing you what we found and all the details of how God brought the children of Israel through the Sinai desert and crossed the Red Sea at the Gulf of Aqaba. This is something I want to thank you for listening, just give you a free copy of this map, Exodus Found and please contact us to get your free copy of the map. And we also would love to send for those of you that support in grace with a gift of $35 or more, we'll send you the the map and the Exodus Found video series four part series again filmed in Egypt and in Saudi Arabia. I'm really excited about presenting that to you. For those of you that want to support In Grace with a large gift of $250 or more, we'll also include a beautiful print, canvas print of the Red Sea Crossing. Please contact us today.
1: Call now for your free Exodus map, 800-78-GRACE. When you give $35 or more, you'll receive the Exodus map in the video series, Exodus Found. For gifts of $250 or more, you will also receive a beautiful, exclusive 16 by 20 canvas print showcasing the miraculous Red Sea crossing. Also, a generous donor is matching all gifts until the new year. Call 800-78-GRACE. Visit ingraceradio.com or write to InGrace, PO Box 9. Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Thank you for joining us on InGrace Radio with Jim Scudder, Jr. InGrace is a member of the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. Our goal is to share the light of Jesus to a darkening world, helping you find hope, gain purpose, and be a light. You can be that light today by joining our mission to spread the gospel around the world. Just call us, 800 78 Grace, or go online, ingraceradio.com. You can also write to us at In Grace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Tune in tomorrow as we continue to explore God's Word and His world on In Grace Radio.